Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. There he is, there he is. How's it going, sir? Doing great, sir. Doing doing great, sir. This is a historic night for this podcast, so I'm really excited. Absolutely, absolutely. This is our 100th episode, the end of Season 2, getting ready to start Season 3. Ha ha! Party on, dude! Uh, party on, dude. (laughs) All right, so for the first-timers out there listening to the program, if you haven't done so yet, Hit that follow or subscribe button, no matter which platform you're listening to us on. Also, hit the notification button. That lets you know every time we upload a new episode. We do upload two episodes a week, every Tuesday and Saturday. We talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and future. Also, and we you can find us on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Spotify, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has another podcast that he co-hosts. Go ahead and tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, if you have any interest in hearing some uh, gaming news, entertainment, movies, uh, all of that fun pop culture stuff, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on our official YouTube channel. It is myself, Jigsaw Jester, and Top Tier Rated, who co-host. Fantastic. Also, if you'd like to stay up to on current events, or you enjoy listening about politics, current news, world events, things of that nature. Also, interesting interesting uh, interviews. I just had a unique interview that just posted. It was with a YouTube influencer. Has over 33,000 followers, which is pretty amazing in my mind. Van Buren 20. And uh, very interesting. He's very political, too. Uh, not afraid to speak his mind, which... Uh, it's uncommon because YouTube will cancel you. <laughs> Trust me, been there, done that. And we do drop two episodes a week there. Uh, if you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or you have any questions for Donnie or myself, uh, please email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Now, speaking of that, we do have three, three, uh, three of you of our uh Longtime listeners uh, that wrote us an email in preparation for this 
100th episode. So I'm going to go ahead and do that first. And the first one is, hey guys, so happy to hear that you guys are headed into season three. Much well deserved. You guys are hilarious. Thank you so much. And that is from Joan. Uh, let's just say Joan of Illinois. I cannot pronounce the last name. I'm so sorry. Joan of Illinois. Thank you, Joan, so much. That that's, We really appreciate that. And we want you guys to reach out to us with anything. Absolutely. And then the next one was, let's see here. Let me scroll down. All right. Hey, Kentucky guy. Kentucky guy. I'm sorry. Uh, I missed. <laughs> uh, I hit the wrong button. Let me bring it back up. All right. Here we go. Hey, Kentucky guy. Your show, your show is doing great. However, since Donnie Cage has come on the scene, you guys have really took it up another notch or two. Once again, thanks for the excellent, excellent headlines and results every time. You guys are spot on. Thank you so much. Tony Diaz, Diaz from Kansas. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, Donnie, you can, if you want to say anything, uh, go ahead. I mean, I just want to thank everyone for the support. We would not be here uh, without without you, the audience. So thank you so much for the shout-outs. And then the last one comes from Kenneth Eden. Eden? Out of, uh, out of let's see, Eden. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I can't even read my own writing. I apologize, folks. Uh, Bakersfield. He's out of Bakersfield, California. Uh, cannot wait to celebrate the 200th episode with you guys. Keep up the great job. Thank you, too. And I just want to say thank you all uh, so much. Uh, you know, any participation from you guys is monumental to us, and we really appreciate it. And in return, we've come up with a new segment just for this 100th episode. And what this is, uh, actually, Mr. Cage was the uh, architect on this. Top 10, Donnie's, Donnie's going to name his, I'll name mine, our top 10 title changes that received a huge pop from the crowd. So this can be anywhere, any promotion, and what have you. And this is, in our opinion, the top 10. So what I'd like to do, Donnie, since uh, you're the architect on this, have you go first and maybe do your top five? And then I'll do my five. And just in case, because we haven't discussed this, folks, we do all this stuff blindly. Uh, just in case we have some of the same, we can. <laughs> Let's do top five, top five, and then we'll come back, okay? All right. So these, is, again, this is in no particular order, but just my first five that I thought are were very monumental uh, victories in WWE history. So we're going to start with. Ultimate Warrior beats Honky Tonk Man at SummerSlam 1988. This is what uh, this is when he snapped the Honky Tonk Man's then historic Intercontinental Title reign. My next uh, choice is Rob Van Dam beating John Cena at ECW One Night Stand 2006. That crowd just came unglued that night, and if you for those of you who watched it, they uh, didn't exactly like John Cena. My next one is uh, Steve Austin finally ascending the mountain and beating Shawn Michaels to become WWF champion at WrestleMania 14. My next one was Bret the Hitman Hart scoring his first singles title win in the WWF 
by beating Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 1991. And last but not least to round out my top five, Goldberg beating Hollywood Hulk Hogan on an episode of WCW Monday Nitro in July of 1998. All right, very good ones. Um, I had the RVD, RVD ECW One Night Stand one. That's the only one I had, same as yours. So, but that, I mean, that would probably be on everybody's list, right? <laughs> so, okay, so let's go over my top five. April 4th, 1993, Hulk Hogan ends the reign of Yokozuna right after it begins. And basically, uh, this was Yokozuna just defeated Bret Hart and became the champion. However, Hogan was at ringside. He got involved at the end. Mr. Fuji actually had challenged Hogan to a match right then and there for Yokozuna's title. And Hogan accepted, bell rings, Mr. Fuji tries to throw salt in Hogan's eyes, he misses, and Hogan becomes, he ends the Yokozuna reign right then and there. And you talk about a, a crowd popping off, there we go. I thought that was awesome. And my next one, November 22nd, 2010, The Miz cashes in his money in the bank and becomes champion for the first time by beating Randy Orton. This was after Orton's grueling match with John Cena had just ended and a injured Orton who was limping along the Miz, the ultimate opportunist, cashes in and wins. Must see TV, folks. Must see. Uh, my next one, let's see. That was two. Number three, August 3rd, 1997. Shawn Michaels actually ends up inadvertently helping Bret Hart win his last championship, world championship, in the WWF. Hart used the chair on The Undertaker, and Michaels got into Hart's face about it. Michael was determined to not have the match end in a disqualification, but when Hart provoked him, Michael swung the chair to hit Hart, only to miss him and hit The Undertaker instead. The Undertaker wasn't getting up. Hart was covering the champion. Disgustedly, Michaels reluctantly counted the pinfall, Hart won his final WWE championship. The crowd goes nuts. Number four, January 25th, 2009. Edge wins the championship, WWE championship, with an unexpected helper. Jeff was facing Jeff Hardy. Uh, Edge was facing Jeff Hardy for the championship. Finally getting the upper hand on Edge, the two Hardy brothers, we're going to bash chairs on Edge's skull to finish him off. However, Matt Hardy swung his chair and hit his brother, Jeff, and watched as Edge pinned him to become the new WWE champion. <laughs> you just think about it. These two were such rivals, especially when Christian was involved, and he ended up helping him win a major, major champion and screwing his brother over. And the crowd was not only in awe, but a lot of them cheered as well because they liked Edge. And then my number five to round it all up, August 25th, 2002, the day of our Lord, Brock Lesnar wins his first title. Now, The Rock was the champion, the WWE champion, and he gave probably one of the, his best matches of his career in this match. But however, Brock Lesnar was just that much better. 
He took down the great one and became the youngest WWE champion of all time. And he would go and he would go on to hold the championship a couple more times in his career. And we know how his story is still developing. But yeah, that's my top five, sir. Well, some good picks there, Kentucky guy. And actually, a couple of them I, I had almost forgotten about, particularly the, uh, the edge win over Jeff Hardy at uh, Royal Rumble 2009. Um, that was shocking at the time, because um, even though the Hardy boys had had a little bit of friction in the past, Matt, considering his history with Edge, both in storyline and in real life, uh, he was the last person you would ever expect to help Edge. But the one pick I have to say... I have to say to you, Kentucky guy, a little disappointed by was the Miz win. I mean, really, really? What he cashed in the Money in the Bank? Ah, uh, the Miz. Yes, <laughs> must see TV, buddy. He is the greatest, the A lister. He's a lot better than Drew McIntyre, and you're some of your picks. <laughs> Cat got your tongue? Yeah, for the moment. All right, so your next top five. Yes, sir. All right, number five, Hulk Hogan beats Ric Flair at Bash at the Beach 1994. The man, the man did the thing that people said he never would do. He left the WWF, joined WCW, and became their world champion. Ric Flair beats Vader at Starcade 1993. This was a particularly significant match because if Flair had lost this match, he would have had to retire. His career would have been over. And we just can't have that for the dirtiest player in the game. Number three, Diesel beats Bob Backlund in a record eight seconds for the WWF Championship at a Madison Square Garden house show in November of 1994. I remember that. That was shocking, not going to lie. Number two, Seth Rollins becomes the only man in history to this to this point in time, which is why he's the architect, cashes in his Money in the Bank opportunity at WrestleMania 31, pins Roman Reigns, and becomes WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You want to talk about a moment that made the crowd get up out of their seats, because that crowd had signs up that said, if Roman wins, we riot. And then uh, my last pick to round out this top ten, was when, because this genuinely shocked me, I did not expect this to happen, but it was an amazing feel-good moment. Eddie Guerrero beats Brock Lesnar at No Way Out 2004 for the WWE Championship. I, for one, assumed that Brock Lesnar was going to go into WrestleMania as WWE Champion, but Eddie Guerrero, with a little bit of an assist from Goldberg, pulls hits that frog splash, and pulls out the victory over the who was the next big thing and, and now is known as the Beast. That's a very good one also, sir. Very good. Uh, yeah, the uh, Eddie Guerrero thing. Um, lucky I wasn't a betting man because I would have told you that match would end completely different. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got actually all the ones that you just mentioned. I don't have any of those. Uh, so that's good. And uh, they're all pretty good ones. I had... Uh, the Vader and Ric Flair match, I completely botched that and forgot about that, or that would have been on my list. I remember that match. Uh, I didn't watch it when it was live, but I remember watching replays of it, and that was a good match. Okay, so my last four, because as I mentioned, RVD, ECW, One Night Stand, 
Uh, you already mentioned, and that was one of mine. So here we go. Sheamus, December 13th, 2009. Sheamus finally wins the title. Now, the ending only did more to confuse and baffle the audience. It was John Cena versus Sheamus. And let me tell, let's talk about the ending of this match because I thought it was pretty sweet. And this is what made the feel good moment, I think. Also confused it with like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> so Sheamus and John Cena were both on the top rope. This was a tables match and they had tables in the ring at ringside. Cena attempted to perform a suplex on Sheamus, but Sheamus held on, sending Cena off the top rope and through the table by himself. Sheamus had shoved Cena off the rope and through the table, giving Sheamus the unexpected, because this was a shock and why he got such a good pop, the WWE Championship win. However, just moments after John Cena went through the table, Sheamus fell off the turnbuckle and fell onto the table that did not break. So then we had people wondering, well, were both men supposed to go through the tables to create a confusing ending to the match or was Sheamus really supposed to win and blah, blah, blah. However, we now know that Sheamus went on to win multiple championships except the Intercontinental title and his legacy, of course, is set in stone. Now, the next one, the People's Champ ends Punk's historic, historic reign at the Royal Rumble. A stipulation was added to this match between uh, The Rock and CM Punk that if Punk got disqualified, he would lose the championship. In a back-and-forth match, the lights suddenly went out and came back on with The Rock through an announce table with the belief it was The Shield that was responsible. Mr. McMahon came out, prepared to strip Punk of the title. Before that could occur, The Rock told McMahon to restart the match. It was, and it only took a few more minutes for The Rock to deliver the people's elbow and win the championship. And Rock would keep that title all the way from Royal Rumble until WrestleMania 29. I tell you what, that was a huge pop. Even though CM Punk was still kind of sort of popular in the WWE at that time, nobody was as popular as The Rock back then. All right, and then my last one. Number nine, number 10, January 19th, 1992, Ric Flair wins the title at a Royal Rumble match. Uh, the match saw 30 men enter, but the count was down to just five when Hogan, Flair, Sid Justice, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage remained. Flair had entered at number three into the match and survived for a while. And there, as Piper and Savage were eliminated, eventually Hogan was eliminated by Justice, leaving Sid with only Flair to contend with. As Flair tried to sneak up on Justice, Hogan held on to Justice's arm, helping to eliminate him from the match and helping Flair to win the WWE Championship. Woo! Flair lasted 59 minutes and 26 seconds in the match, the longest time in the Royal Rumble history to that point. All right, so it, what do you... You know what I was going to say about that one, Kentucky guy? First of all, those are also very good picks. Um, I, I, I think all of them definitely uh, big big, uh, big moments 
big moments in wrestling history. The one I wanted to comment on was the 1992 Royal Rumble. Now, keep in mind, I was a huge Hulkamaniac growing up. So whenever Hogan didn't win, I would get I I, I would I would get so upset. I would yell at the TV. I I'd, I'd borderline want to throw the remote, but my parents would kill me if I broke their TV. So <laughs> I never did that. But um. You know, looking back at it, you think about the, about what happened after the Royal Rumble, because Sid Justice, you know, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious, as we also know him, he was the one who actually turned heel and everything. And I actually feel it would have been a bigger moment if Hogan had first tossed Sid Justice out of the match, and it was down to him and Flair, and Justice distracted Hogan, and Flair eliminated Hogan. That actually, in my opinion, would have been an even smarter way to book that match. Hey, but, you know what? Yeah. I'm sorry. I've got one more. That was number eight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead and finish what you were saying, and then I'll get it. Uh, oh, no, I'm done. I'm just saying I would I would make that slight t a tweak to that booking in retrospect, but, uh, I mean, still, still a huge moment. I mean, Ric Flair lasting all the way from number three to the very end. Awesome. And I apologize. For some reason, I miscounted. And then when I scrolled past the uh, one night stand one to look at the wrestling news, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That wasn't the last one. Here's the last one. And this was, and I hope you have comments about this one because this was pretty big. December 9th, 2001, Chris Jericho pins The Rock and Austin in the same night and becomes the undisputed, first undisputed heavyweight champion so jericho was able to sneak out a victory over the rock which led to austin coming down to the ring to combine both titles austin could have defeated jericho except booker t who was unemployed in the storyline at that time knocked out austin this allowed jericho to pin austin and become the wwe champion for the only time in his career it made mr mcmahon extremely happy considering the undisputed champion was someone not named stone cold steve austin Yes, I remember this. This was very unexpected. But Chris Jericho ended up being a, a worthy undisputed champion. Uh, you know, he I call him the GOAT all the time, and uh, I don't think many can disagree with that. And this was the first time that he held a major championship with his company. And what a way to do it, to pin The Rock and Austin in the same night. Now, that rounds out <laughs> my top ten, sir. Your thoughts? That was definitely a historic moment, and Chris, really, that was a game-changing moment in Chris Jericho's career to beat Steve Austin and The Rock, the two biggest stars of the WWF at the time, um, in one night and become the undisputed champion. Um, you know, you can question some of the booking of Jericho in the months following that when he was the champion, where it didn't always feel like he was the focal point of programming, but... That's neither here nor there. Let's you know. Let's just talk about the title win itself. It was a huge moment, and he proved that he could hang with the big stars. And, and I agree with you about the booking part because I really don't think that they knew what to do with them and what they had. Uh, if you remember, he went away for a while and came back. He went to WCW and came back after that, and that's when we got the list and creative actually knew what to do with his type of character. And Chris Jericho is. If you just, here, here's what I would do, would have done back then and would do now if I was part of creative and he was working for my company. What's your thought? He would be like a Bray Wyatt. What's your thoughts? What do you want to do? What do you see? You know, and that's what they should have done all along because he's, he's the master of reinventing his own character. 
He's the master of it. All right, folks, so that is our top 10 title changes, and I thought that was a very good top 20 uh, together when you combine them. I thought the, they all made a lot of sense. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, questioning you could do, even though you questioned The Miz. How dare you? Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's move on to wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler. Before we get into that, though, we did have Raw last night, so let's go over the Raw results. All right, so in the ring, it started off with Paul Heyman, and he said the Usos did not win back their tag team titles this past Friday, and he will address the Usos in the back tonight. The Usos will address their problems this Saturday at Backlash when they team with Solo against Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle. This Friday on SmackDown, Roman Reigns will take care of all business items, and one of those items is the new World Heavyweight Championship, but he can't compete for that title because he won't be here on Monday Night Raw anymore. Seth Rollins, who I feel will be that champion, came down to the ring. He said Reigns being drafted to SmackDown means he he doesn't have to run from him anymore. And Heyman doesn't have to waste all the energy pulling string backstage to make sure he never gets a title match again. Rollins said he is going to win the World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions, and the people will see what a real champion is supposed to look like. Reigns pulled out, uh, Paul Heyman pulled out his phone to call Reigns. Heyman said Rain, uh, Rollins is pissing off Reigns. Reigns threatened to stop. Or man, they got this all backwards. Uh, Seth Rollins threatened to stomp Heyman's head into the mat. Solo came to the ring. Uh, Heyman Reigns told him to hold all strings and being pulled at this moment. By the time we get to the back from commercial break, Rollins and Solo will be confirmed. Rollins said said they don't have to wait. It's on. I thought that was a pretty good segment. Uh, I love that Seth Rollins is so confident. He deserves that title. And uh, I think he may just be the new champion when uh, when Night of Champions comes about. Your thoughts on that segment? I liked it. It was a good way to open Raw. And I I'm with you, Kentucky guy. Uh, Seth Rollins would definitely be one of, if not my top picks, to, to be the new uh, world heavyweight champion. Um, because unlike... Most of the other people who have tried to beat Roman Reigns and have failed for one reason or another, um, Seth Rollins didn't actually lose to Roman Reigns um, when he challenged him for the Universal Championship. Uh, as, as I think I've mentioned before, when the two of them wrestled at the 2022 Royal Rumble, that match ended in disqualification, and there was no follow-up on it. So it's not like you look at Seth Rollins and go, oh, well, here's a guy who just couldn't dethrone the tribal chief. No, they never settled their business. So, all right, well, Seth Rollins is moving on to other uh, things now, and he's going to lead Raw as the world heavyweight champion. I mean, that's the story kind of writes itself, honestly. Right, exactly. And you can't say that about, like, Cody Rhodes. That's why it'd be a mistake for him to get that title. Right now, anyways. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan actually uh, fought a non-title tag team match, non-title, against Bailey and Dakota Kai of Damage Control. Bailey actually got the win for her team, Damage Control. Um, I don't know. It wasn't for the title. It wasn't for, 
I mean, I guess that puts Bailey and Dakota Kai in contentions for the title now, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't see a whole lot of, I mean, is EO Sky going to be the new singles competitor in damage control and Bailey and Dakota going to be the new tag team? I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't get it. Uh, then we had Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis. And of course, Chad Gable and Otis, shush, is going to put another team over with the likes of Braun Strowman and Ricochet being the winner of that match. I thought the match was boring. It was very, very easy to see the outcome, how it was going to work out. And the Alpha Academy is just, they're, they're, they're stale. I don't even enjoy watching them anymore. Even though I do like saying, shush, I don't enjoy watching them. So, Your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, uh, the sooner they split up Alpha Academy, the better off they're going to be at this stage because they have, they have buried those guys. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because, as, as I've said, Chad Gable especially is a great wrestler. He should be competing for either the Intercontinental or the U.S. title right now. Uh, but it is what it is. This is kind of what we're, we're stuck with. And, uh, you know, hopefully with some of the new acquisitions on Raw and SmackDown, the tag team division will be bolstered a little bit. I know we'll talk more about the draft as we go along. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the match itself, I mean, I've seen it before, so nothing new. And then the women's tag match, again, it's one of those things, okay, you're going to have Bailey and Dakota Kai pick up a win in a non-title match, but are they actually going to win the belts back? I don't know. To me, signs are not pointing to yes. No, especially after uh, Ronda Rousey and Sonya Deville got drafted to Raw <laughs> last night. So, yeah, it, I think we all know who the next uh, female champions are. Uh, then we had Jimmy Uso go in a singles match against Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle picked up the victory with a little bit of help, actually a lot of help from Kevin Owens. Uh, we had Omos versus some guy called Anthony uh, Alanis. Yeah, that was just a squash match. I don't even, uh, I, I don't even know what that was. That was just, I guess, to give him a, a win before Backlash going against Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins is going to destroy this guy. We had LWO, Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, and Zelina Vega versus Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley. And your winner, as it should be, Judgment Day. Judgment Day. And I'll talk about the last one real quick. Solo Sokoa uh, versus Seth Rollins. No contest. Ended up in a de uh, disqualification. So, no winner there. Your thoughts on the rest of uh, Raw, sir? Yeah, once again, I agree with you about the somewhat questionable booking of Matt Rill. I mean, I I'm happy to see him get a win on TV, but I feel like to make him look strong, he should be winning the match by himself. It's it's one thing for a heel to help another heel pick out the win, um, but it's just but it's just like yeah, uh, you know, if you want this guy to look strong, you gotta let him uh, you know earn the victory on his own. That's really all I have to say about that. Um, Omos, you know, it's like he'll he'll have a pay per view match. His last pay per view match was against Brock Lesnar, he, and he lost. And then what they do is they ha they book him in a bunch of squash matches against jobbers to make him look strong. And then when you get to the next pay-per-view where he faces another like bona fide star, he loses again. So I'm kind of like, is this just pretty much the pattern? This guy squashes jobbers and then loses to the big stars. Got it. 
Um, so uh, uh, the main event, I mean, Solo Sokoa and Seth Rollins, I'm kind of glad this ended in a no contest because both guys right now are riding a wave of momentum. So I, I don't like to say, see either of them look strong. So I'm glad that um, I'm actually kind of glad it ended that way indecisively because maybe they could clash again down the road. Maybe, just maybe, actually that wouldn't happen because Solo's on SmackDown. <laughs> I was going to say maybe they'll be in the finals of the World Heavyweight Title Championship, but no, that's probably not going to happen. Um, LWO, I've come to the uh, I've come to the conclusion at this point they're pretty much just there to put Judgment Day or some other team over, <laughs> which is really unfortunate that uh, that they renamed again. I don't understand why they had to even rename them. Why couldn't they have just said? Legato del Fantasma were um, associates of Rey Mysterio because because again apparently now what happens is you get an entire stable drafted and I said to a friend of mine the other day um, by that logic what should happen next year is when they do the NFL draft then uh, then any team should be able to draft an entire defensive line in one pick not just one player pick pick the pick up the entire defensive line. And now LWO is going to SmackDown, and Judgment Day is on Raw. So I guess that feud is over. Uh, look, there, there. So let's talk a little bit about this draft. Uh, we might as well because it happened on Raw. And we're we're discussing Raw as outcome. So here's here's the thing. I was kind of hoping that. WWE Triple H mainly would redeem himself with the night two of the draft. That didn't happen. By the way, I have a question. What does free agent mean when they're not drafted to Raw or Smack? Does that mean they can go to either one or they don't have a job? What does free agent mean? Because now I'm seeing that Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin, they're free agents. Eli, uh, Elias is free agent. Baron Corbin's a free agent. What what does this mean? Do you know, Mr. Cage? I, I'm assuming it just means that at any given time, well, I would say the GM of Raw or SmackDown can pick them up at any given time, but there is no GM of Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> at least, I don't know of any. Um, but they're free agents, so I guess that means they can go back and forth between both shows and even NXT for the time being until they are selected for a particular brand. I, I, I don't know. I, instead of just saying these wrestlers went undrafted, they're like, Oh, they're free agents. I'm like, Oh, so they can just do what they want, I guess. Okay. I, I just, uh, okay. And you notice that they not only are drafting fact, uh, factions together, tag teams together, but they're also drafted boyfriend and girlfriend together. Riddick Moss, who was formerly Madcap Moss, and Emma were drafted together to Raw. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So I have to say, I really think that WWE dropped the ball in this draft. I didn't see anything that was exciting. Okay, first of all, it was kind of nice seeing some of the NXT guys get a shot and come up. I, I do like Grayson uh, Waller coming to SmackDown. Uh, Odyssey Jones, I don't think he's ready. 
I do not think he's ready. He has not made even an impact on NXT. He didn't even win the uh, Rising Star tournament that he was a part of. But he is uh, he's on Raw now, so take it or want it. And then Angel Garza and Humberto. I didn't even know these guys were still with the company. I mean, you talk about a joke. They should join the LWO. And come on. But I just don't get, and Cedric Alexander and Sean Benjamin, we did a piece not that long ago on an episode saying that they're not reviving the Hurt, uh, the Hurt faction anymore. So why were these guys drafted together? But now they're free agents. I, I, they're not the Hurt business, so who are they? I don't know. Your thoughts on night two of the draft? Disappointed is a word that comes to mind. Underwhelmed. There were no wow moments in this draft. None. When the draft was first brought in many, many years ago, 20, 20 years ago, however many years ago they had the first WWE draft, there were some genuine, shocking moments. And we didn't get that. We just simply got, well, this guy's a champion on SmackDown right now, so we'll move him over to Raw. This person's a champion on NXT. We'll bring them up to, to SmackDown. Uh, uh, this person's on Raw. to send them over to SmackDown. Uh, 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 okay, why? Like, Bianca Belair is the Raw women's champion, and now she's on SmackDown. Rhea Ripley was the SmackDown women's champion, and now she's on Raw. So they're going to have to just exchange those belts. I, I, I just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just very, very, very disappointed, Kentucky guy. Very. Yeah, disappointed. I, I would have, uh, I would have liked to seen. Uh, I don't know. There's so much. I, I personally think that they could have, uh, they could have done with this draft. They're, they had so many. Just, I guess the the word comes to my mind. The the phrase, a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. A lot of missed opportunities on this uh, on this draft. All right, sir, you've got the next two headlines. Yes, sir. Heel WWE star. I use the term star loosely these days. Breaks losing streak. Gets massive babyface reaction. In 2022, WWE seemed to have hit the reset button with Baron Corbin when he was paired with JBL as his manager. And even I will admit, I said I wanted to give this a shot. He went on a winning streak, but for whatever reason, his push cooled off and JBL was removed from his act. Corbin hasn't won a match in months, and he's been used on house shows to put other people over. Corbin has been on a losing streak this year, but that changed on Saturday at a live event in Paris, France. There's a clip online that shows he got a huge reaction before and during his match and a monster reaction when he defeated Rick Boogs. Whatever the plans are for Corbin in the United States, it is pretty clear that he's beloved in parts of Europe and the reactions may help convince management to move him back up the card again. Uh, well, if he's so popular in Europe, then I hear there's a lot of European wrestling promotions that are looking for talent right now. Um, I, I don't know why we're making such a big thing about Baron Corbin getting a pop at a house show and, and automatically be, that's an indicator. Oh, uh, we got to push this guy on TV. 
I mean, first of all, we don't know if they're actually going to do that. This could just be one of those freakish occurrences. But, I mean, Corbin hasn't been relevant in years now. So I don't understand. And he's a free agent, so who knows where he's going to wind up. Maybe he'll go back to NXT. But I, but I just I don't think this should be an indicator that just because a few people popped for him at a house show that he's going to get this major Hey, push. you know, uh, the former UK NXT... It's supposed to, I think, actually go to France when they re when they revamp it. Uh, there's a perfect spot for him right there, so he's no longer on my television screen anymore. And here, I thought that was going to be a good headline when I when you first read it, and then you said Baron Corbin. I was like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> All right, sir, you got the next one. Uh, um, WWE NXT stars had no idea they were being called up to the main roster. Night one of this year's WWE draft started on last week's episode of SmackDown, where talent stayed and changed brands, including NXT stars. Instead of the traditional post-WrestleMania call-ups on Raw and SmackDown as surprises, this was done. And there were some big names who were not told in advance that they would be changing brands for the draft. They found out at the same time as the fans. That's actually kind of cool. Um... Reigning NXT Women's Tag Team Champions Isla Dawn and Alba Fire were also in the dark about the main roster call-ups. The changes to the roster will be put into place after Saturday's backlash. Um, uh, uh, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn had this to say about their call-up. I've been saying it for days. I still don't feel like it's quite settled in yet. We had no idea, no idea that we were going to be drafted. As, well, as you can tell by our eyeballs going. Albafire noted that they'd worked hard for a long time to get to this moment, which means the wor world is appreciated. Dawn pointed out that winning the titles at Stand and Deliver a month ago was their second televised match where they teamed together. And on, and on tonight's episode of NXT, they'll actually defend the titles against Caden Carter and Katana Chance, which likely means they're going to be dropping the belts on this episode of NXT. Well... Based on uh, the supplemental draft uh, picks, that may not necessarily be the case. Actually, I have no idea what's going to happen with the NXT women's title matches because both of these teams uh, were called up to the main roster. <laughs> and so it really leaves a major question mark about the future of the NXT women's tag team titles. Uh, but, but I will say I, I give WWE a lot of credit for keeping the NXT wrestlers in the dark and not letting them know in advance. Hopefully, hopefully the vast majority of these talents who have been called up will be utilized properly on the big stage. My now. only thing is, why are you bringing Apollo Crews back? Why? Why, why, why? Be because we're going to see the return of Titus oh, worldwide. Please. What's he going to do? Take off, run into the ring and slide underneath it? Um, you know what? You've got one more headline. Go ahead and knock that out. Uh, we'll go ahead and get that one out of the way. So, Jeff Jarrett explains why storylines in wrestling are more important than ever. On the latest My World podcast, WWE Hall of Famer and AEW talent Jeff Jarrett talked about his year in the WWF in 1998, which was when, if you remember, he worked with uh, Tennessee Lee as his manager. The Double J and the Tennessee Lee, okay, how are we going to keep progressing this? Here's this wannabe country music singer who hadn't sung. It's been three years and I still haven't sung. I did the lip sync video. I said, let's put some bite into it. 
that's how it all came about. All right, Jeff, can you really sing? Well, the best way to do that is let's let him sing for a legitimate act. Again, these guys had a number one after number one in the country mu music genre. Mark was a super successful businessman as well as a country music artist. We sang the chorus and off we went. It was put to some bite behind the Double J character. That was okay. This is different than the lip-singing dude we saw three years earlier. On why storylines and wrestling mean more now than ever, Jeff Jarrett said, you have so much content being made out there that I think finishes in a lot of ways has become has almost become somewhat of a blur because in any week's time, the wrestling audience gets to see however many on Raw, Dynamite, Rampage, SmackDown, MLW, Impact, NWA, all the YouTube they want to watch. It goes streaming, broadcast, cable. There's so many finishes being done out there. Again, it goes back to the basics. A story now is everything. It's the only thing that's going to resonate with the audience because matches and finishes, there's too much out there for it to matter. Okay, so basically what I got about what Jeff was saying is that you have to care about the characters that are on TV each day, and there's got to be a story, an underlying story that they're trying to tell. And it can't just be about hitting the big moves in matches, having the multiple kickouts, multiple finishers. There has to be a storyline to go along with this. That's what people really care about at the end of the day. And I agree with them 100%. And I feel that that's often lost in wrestling today. I mean, if you think about this, the best storyline that WWE had going in the last year was Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. That was the best story. Why? Because we cared about the people on the microphone who also wrestled in the ring. When you care about the characters, when you're emotionally invested, the matches are going to mean that much that's more. Right. That, that's right. I couldn't agree more. And there's only, unfortunately, there's only a handful of wrestlers that can make you care like that. Uh, whether they're a heel or babyface, they still make you care. Kevin Owens is one of the best I've seen at it. It does, and Seth Rollins. It does not matter if they're a babyface or a heel. Sometimes you can't even tell what they are, but the crowd still cares. They make them care, and I think Jeff. Uh, Jeff Jarrett spot on 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 his uh, what he said there in that interview. I also think that not only that they need to make the moves count again. The ending, the finisher move, it needs to mean something. Don't let me watch you give somebody six F fives before you pin them. One and done. Let's do it. We had a champion for years. The one matches with a freaking leg drop. I know we can make the finishing move worth something again. So, yeah, I thought that was a good article. Very good interview. And that's actually a great point you make, Kentucky guy. How many finishers in wrestling are protected these days? Like, how many wrestlers out there can hit one move and, and, and that's it? The guy's done. Maybe, maybe once in a while they might have to hit it a second time. The only person I can think of off the top of my head who can hit one move and you're done is Brock Lesnar. And even that sometimes is not always the case. Because if he wrestles Roman Reigns, he usually has to hit about six F5s to finish him off. But Yeah, it took about five point. or six on The Undertaker, too. And quite a few on Goldberg, actually. The only wrestler I can think of that I've never seen them have to repeat their finisher move after they hit it nowadays 
is Kenny Omega. That's the only one I can think of. That one wing angel. Uh, even Koshada, who does the, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it's great. The Rainmaker. The, the Rainmaker. I watched him in a match not that long ago. He had to do two of them. Come on. That is an awesome move. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to do a headline, and then we need to get in, time-consuming, uh, we need to get into Backlash, our predictions. So, next headline, Cody Rhodes. Quote, the important thing to me is Roman Reigns, undisputed universal title. It's the biggest match that WWE could do. So, a lot of fans were shocked to see Cody Rhodes fall short in the main event of WrestleMania 39. Night two last month when challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed universal title. Many people thought it was a lock that he would walk away, that he would walk away with the title. Now the two stars are on separate brands with Roman, with Reigns and Rhodes, uh, with Reigns on SmackDown and Rhodes staying on Raw. WWE Raw will have its own top title that Rhodes can go after starting May 27th, Night of Champions with the new world heavyweight champion, be crowned. Speaking to Comic Book Nation, Cody was asked about Paul Heyman's comments about how Rhodes needed to face his adversary before he could be Reigns. Quote, The goal is the same, is the best way to put it. The goal is the same for me as a sports entertainment, as a wrestler. I came here wanting one thing. It doesn't mean other stories won't happen, that will also be finished. And it doesn't mean that there aren't other milestones. We're talking about good things like video game covers. But the important thing to me is still the championship on Roman's shoulders. And it's the biggest match that WWE could do. But it would take a great deal of mountains to be moved for that rematch to even happen. The goal is the same for me, Rose stated. I just have to see it through and do the work. So I'm glad that he is not looking past that rematch from the from WrestleMania because once again any other world any other title with the with attachment the name uh, world heavyweight to it besides winning it from Roman Reigns is going to be like a consolation prize here you couldn't get the job done buddy take this belt and that can't happen and I'm glad he's already out speaking about it your thoughts yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a hundred percent in agreement. It, it's if Cody were to win the world heavyweight championship on Raw, sure it'd be a big moment, but it wouldn't have the same impact as him beating Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has been champion for a thousand days. I don't know if he's hit exactly a thousand yet, but he's almost about to hit it. Um, whoever beats Roman eventually. Is they're just going to be an instant star in that in that moment when it happens, and you know, Cody was. You can make an argument that uh, there were things working against him that prevented him from winning at WrestleMania 39, but I, I, I don't think the WWE should just back away from this storyline completely. Um, it, it might take a while because obviously they're on different brands, but eventually they need to revisit this storyline and bring it to its proper conclusion. And I think they will. I think they will. I think uh, everybody wants to see it. And they know what the fans want. And, you know, WWE is very good about hanging that carrot out there for a while. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens. So let's get into this Saturday's pay-per-view, the Backlash match card prediction show. And let's see. And these are not in the exact order that they're going to be wrestling, but we're just going to do them in order that I got the matches. First one up the bat, Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. Kentucky guy is going to shock the world, and he's going to pick Cody Rhodes to win. Why? Not a Cody Rhodes fan. You guys know this. However, after his loss to WrestleMania, I figure they said, suck it up, son. You're losing at WrestleMania, but you're going to beat the beast. And I think he's going to win the match. Your thoughts or your prediction? I am I'm also going to go with Cody Rhodes. It's going to be a war between him and Brock Lesnar. Uh, if he does manage to pull off the victory, he's going to win by the skin of his teeth. But I do think that this is going to be a big moment for Cody Rhodes and definitely will help him gain some momentum back after losing at WrestleMania. So I'm going with Cody Rhodes. we have the bloodline, Solo Sequoia and the Usos versus Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle. I see no reason why Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle win this match. So the Kentucky guys picking the bloodline. What say you, sir? I mean, we've got your, your tag team champs here in this match. And, you know, uh, I kind of feel like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have gotten to the point now where they have a little bit of an edge over the uh, Usos. And I know they've also got Solo on their side. And you can never underestimate him. But uh, I am actually going to go with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Matt Riddle on this one. I just, you know, a question comes to me. Will Solo turn on his brothers at that match? That's the one reason why I almost picked Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> Let's see. SmackDown Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega. Uh, boy, this is a tough one. Not really. Rhea Ripley, I say. What do you say you? Yes, Rhea yeah. Ripley. Next. <laughs> Sorry. Probably, probably Sorry, won't Zelina even watch Vega that match, fans. to be honest with you. Uh, Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair versus Io Sky. You know, my heart tells me that Bianca Ponytail Girl, they're just going to let her keep winning. But I cannot, and I refuse to choose her. So Eosky is my choice. What say you? I'll tell you, Kentucky guy, I would not, I would not be upset to see Eosky win because, once again, um, and again, they haven't been doing this. They haven't been referencing their history in NXT um, previously. They're expecting us, again, to have short-term memory loss. But uh, it does seem like they are still determined to push the EST. So I also am going to go with Bianca oh, Belair. Oh, here's my shock face. <laughs> then we have the United States Championship up for grabs. Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed. Um, Yeah, I think Austin Theory is going to retain. That's my choice. What about you? I might actually surprise you here, Kentucky guy. Um I'm actually going to pick uh, Bobby Lashley to win this one. I think the Almighty deserves some gold around his waist once again. So, and especially with him moving to SmackDown, I can't think of a better way to celebrate that uh, that that switch to a new brand. I'm going to go with the it's Almighty. Good pick. good pick. I the only reason why I didn't pick Bobby Lashley is because I think Bronson Reed will mess that up somehow. Uh, Bronson Reed is uh, he's a beast. And it would not, and this might shock a few of you, it would not surprise me if he won the match. It would not. <laughs> He's a beast. He just hasn't got his 
due diligence in the main roster yet. Then we have a street fight. Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. I mean, come on. Bad what Bad Bunny's, you know, stick with rapping and singing, dude. Uh my choice is Damian Priest. You? Yeah, I I would like to see Damian Priest win this match and he's gonna be my official pick. That being said, with them being in Puerto Rico for this event, I wouldn't be shocked if they put Bad Bunny over here. Um, but really, if we're, we're talking on paper, I mean, you, you got to go. Somebody would Priest. have to get involved to help Bad Bunny, I think, in order for him to go over. Speaking of somebody getting involved, the next match or the last match, Seth Rollins versus Omos. I pick Seth Rollins. However, I'm picking Seth Rollins because he's my favorite wrestler, but I don't know for sure if he's going to win this match because if you believe rumors, and this is a rumor, this is not news, the rumor mill says Drew McIntyre is going to show up as a heel and interfere in this match and call Seth Rollins a match. I've seen that on four different rumor sites, four, which is quite a few, but I'm sticking with Seth Rollins. I mean, there's no way this Nigerian giant guy is going to win this match, fair and square anyways. Uh, what say you? Uh, I'm also going to go Seth Rollins to win this match, but I would not be surprised if there is some sort of setup. If, if those rumors are true, I would not be surprised if there's some sort of a setup between uh, Drew and Seth for a uh, feud in the very near future. I actually think that'd be a pretty good feud, and especially with them on the opposite ends of the spectrum with Seth as the babyface and Drew as the heel, I think it would be pretty good. Yes, I can I can see that backlash. as well. Uh, basically, maybe the feud ends for the World Heavyweight title. Because I know they were both in contentions, and I don't know why Drew McIntyre is, but they were both in contentions for the WrestleMania match at when they were originally wanted to split the titles on Roman Reigns. So that could be interesting. Could be interesting. All right, so that is all of our predictions for Backlash. And I've got one more headline that I want to go over, and we will call it an episode. Do, do, do. Here we go. Uh, Alexa Bliss returning to WWE television soon. It looks like Alexa Bliss will be back very soon. Uh, the account, The Twitter account known for its insider news the account has gone public on Twitter for a few days, is reporting that Bliss is wanted for Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia, which means that she is likely back after the Backlash pay-per-view. There's been no sign of Bliss on WWE TV for months, and the last time she was involved in anything was the storyline with Bray Wyatt for the Royal Rumble where Bliss lost to Raw's women's champion Bianca Belair. It's unclear if this means that Wyatt will also return to TV soon or if Bliss will be working without him. I thought that was a good enough headline to just to uh, throw out there because nobody talks about these guys anymore. It's like, hello, let's just act like they don't exist and then they're going to show up one day. Makes zero sense. But uh, your thoughts on that last headline, sir? <sighs> I just have two words uh, about the storyline. Uncle... Howdy. We still never got any answers to Alexa Bliss's connection with Uncle Howdy. They kept dropping hints and nothing ever came of it because she was just inexplicably pulled from television. 
Now, are they just going to forget that that ever happened and she's going to be pulled into a completely different storyline? Or like you said, are they going to wait until Bray Wyatt's back and then get her involved with him directly? I just, I hate, I hate unresolved storylines. It reminds me of years ago when they did the, um, remember, remember they did the Imposter Kane storyline? They never gave us any answers to who the imposter was, why he was dressing up as Kane. They just ended the storyline. Now, granted, it wasn't a good storyline, but we still deserved answers to what exactly was going on. Same thing in this case. Yeah, Tell I agree. us something. Was, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, the old saying, you got to give a dog a bone. You know, you, you got to gotta say something. But uh, that's all I have for this 100th episode, sir. How about yourself? In, you know, uh, Kentucky guy, there wasn't a lot of uh, AEW news, unfortunately, the last uh, couple of days. Uh, I, 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 feel, I feel like I read something about AEW that was worth talking about. But honestly, every time I look up AEW, it's just another story about CM Punk being backstage at, at an independent show. He'll probably show up at a major league wrestling taping. Oh, you know, taping uh, any, uh, day the now. latest news I've seen on, seen on uh, AEW was that CM Punk was playing Uno uh, backstage at Impact. I know we talked about that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. I do know that they have already sold over 35,000 tickets uh, for their all-in pre-sale in London. I think that's pretty good. Uh, another thing that I've seen was uh, Chris Jericho is going to star in a movie. What is the name of that movie? Uh, Country Hearts, and that's going to be on Up TV. So Chris Jericho is going to star in that. Uh, and like I said, you know, like you said, Interesting. the uh, the rest of it is all about CM Punk, and you know, Eric Bischoff did go on his podcast and uh, called him a, a piece of garbage and a desperate little bee <laughs> for going on Raw. I thought that was funny. So. <laughs> Oh, so uh, anything else, sir? Eric Bischoff, I think, I think, I think, uh, well, I was just going to say, I think Eric Bischoff right. also mentioned uh, on his podcast that because two of the talents that, that people are um, rumor, rumoring or are putting in the rumors for uh, all in, they're like, oh, we might get a Goldberg appearance. We might get a Mercedes Monet appearance. And Eric Bischoff said flat out, AEW does not need to involve those two no, they wrestlers have enough, in the all they in have event. They have so many stars, so many, that they can't even, they're not even using them all. When was the last time we seen uh, Rusev, you know? I mean, <sighs> come on. Uh, no, and, and Goldberg, what, <sighs> Goldberg, I, I don't even have any more comments about that. All right, folks, so you've been listening to uh, the 100th episode and the last episode of season two on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your co-hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. As always, folks, wouldn't want to do this without you. Be sure to hit that notification button so you know every time a new episode is up. And as always, God bless, and God bless America. Thank you all.